what time it is. It's time to podcast your weekly journey through the world of Yu-Gi-Oh! I'm Lance, your host and tour guide through this underworld of children's card games and plot armor, where the English dub will be smashed to pieces, overanalyzed, and mocked. Mostly from a loving place. Just a quick PSA before we get started, I'd like to make sure everyone who is listening is aware of some of the legal ways to watch Yu-Gi-Oh! online, as there are plenty, at least at the time of this recording. Netflix, Hulu, and Yu-Gi-Oh!.com are all viable options. If you know of any other legal avenues, please feel free to let me know. Now, let's prepare to enter the Shadow Realm. Friendly reminder, this is a triple feature episode. I'll be reviewing episodes 8 through 10 of the anime. So if you haven't watched all three yet and you would like to, please feel free to come back after you've watched them. Also, if you didn't check how long this episode is before starting it, just a fair warning, it's quite the doozy. The story arc presented in season 1, episodes 8 through 10, Everything's Relative, Duel with a Ghoul, and Give Up the Ghost, also does not start with any introductory material. No introduction, no recap, just straight into the nitty gritty. I'm actually starting to miss it at this point, because um, the episodes that have just gone straight into the opening theme have all been right around 20 minutes or shorter, and that's just obscene. Also, just a disclaimer, there are no less than five puns about ghosts between these three episodes, and I will not be acknowledging all of them. I love puns, but they beat the horse to death, and then keep going. We open up on Pegasus Castle, and a strange character wearing a bandana over their face is climbing out of one of the towers using a bedsheet rope. As they're scaling down the wall, they realize the makeshift rope is too short to get them to the ground. I get that desperate times call for desperate measures, but I don't think I'd be too keen on attempting this Mission Impossible-style escape without being absolutely sure I could get at least low enough to the ground to jump comfortably. While they, presumably, are contemplating the situation, a knot in the rope comes loose, plummeting them into the trees and bushes below. Rip. But they then emerge from the bushes, clutching their back. Unrip. We then cut back into the castle as one of Pegasus' goons, Croquet as we will come to know, is delivering room service, presumably to the person who just pitched themselves out the window. As he enters the room, he says, here's your daily gruel, and notices the sheet rope tied to one of the bedposts and leading out the window. They're only feeding this guest, obviously being held against their will, once a day? Why? They're too scrawny to really do much, so why not actually take care of them? Also, Pegasus is rich. He can afford that. But this actually makes a little less sense later, as we'll find out. We now cut to Pegasus, who is sitting at his dinner table, eating some sort of dessert, drinking some red liquid, and laughing at a comic book. When Croquet interrupts him, Pegasus claims he's eating Gorgonzola cheese and drinking the finest fruit juice root juice. Right. He also says times like these are more precious to him than any other, insinuating that Croquet has transgressed against him by interrupting. Croquet then informs him that the prisoner has escaped, to which Pegasus replies, which one? So they have multiple prisoners? Oh lord. Croquet tells him that it was the boy imprisoned in the North Tower, and that his men are searching the island, but haven't found any sign of him yet. For whatever reason, Pegasus believes the boy will seek out Yugi, which will make more sense a little bit later, so he commands his state-of-the-art computer to update him on the tournament. 
It tells him that they are six hours into the tournament, 12 participants have been eliminated, and those found without star chips are being escorted off the island by boat. The first point really doesn't mean much because they never established a time frame for the tournament in the dub like they did in the sub, and the boat in which they're shipping everyone back home is a freaking dinghy. Like, they have to row themselves back to civilization. What the heck? Everyone arrived on some ocean liner cruise ship or something, but the losers have to row themselves back to civilization in a rowboat. Okay. Pegasus then specifically requests information on Yugi Moto, and the computer informs him that he has gained five star chips since the start of the tournament. Wrong. He's gained four and has five total, but whatever. He then reaffirms that the boy who escaped will seek out Yugi on his own and declares that his escape actually plays right into his plans that he has for Yugi today, as if it's a different day. Six hours into the tournament, different day. We finally cut to the gang who are walking down a path between some trees and meadows, discussing the fact that Yugi now has five star chips and is already halfway to his goal of gaining access to the castle. Joey indicates he wishes he had more star chips. You actually have to duel and win to get those, Joey. But Yugi tells him he's doing fine and he'll be able to help his sister Serenity out soon, and we get a quick flashback to the tape she sent him back in episode three, while Joey says that she's counting on him just in case we forgot. Yugi is such a good friend to Joey, like, Taya and Tristan are constantly bashing him and belittling him, like, jokingly, but still. But Yugi is always, always supporting him and saying, like, really uplifting things, and it's really good that Joey has Yugi as a positive influence in his corner, especially with the other two of his friends constantly making fun of him. The gang hears a fellow duelist screaming for help and notice him being carried away by a big hulking guy who turns out to be Kimo. They run toward them to help and Tristan literally does some sort of judo move and throws Kimo to the ground, surprising both Kimo and myself. However, Kimo recovers mid-air and isn't thrown to the ground but rather lands on his feet and immediately jumps back up and prepares to kick Tristan. Which we do not see by the way. What we get is a black and white screen meant to look reminiscent of like a lightning strike or maybe an explosion, but meant to represent physical pain, and then Tristan falls to the ground. Yugi and Joey, yes, even Joey, attempt to reason with Kimo, asking him what he's doing, but Kimo assures them that this is none of their business because this kid has lost his star chips and is therefore disqualified from the tournament. This kid cuts in, screaming that his star chips and his cards were stolen from him, not won from him. Kimo is having none of that crap and tells the kid he has no star chips, so he has to leave. He continues carrying him off, presumably toward one of the dinghies, escorting the other losers off the island, and as Tristram pulls himself up from the dirt, he says that they should follow them. We now cut to a pitiful-looking pier. Kimo walks up, carrying the boy, and is greeted by a couple more of Pegasus goons before throwing him into one of the dinghies, pretty much on top of Evil Weevil. And, of course, Weevil has to act all high and mighty, like his poop don't stink, but what are you gonna do? The boy then says to himself that he didn't even get a chance to duel, which is superbly saddening. But the gang finally catch up to them. Yugi takes charge and asks the kid what the guy who stole his stuff looked like, but the kid couldn't get a good look at him because he was wearing a bandana over his face. Sound familiar? 
He continues by saying he was a small guy who challenged him to a duel, but once he set his star chips and deck down, the guy just ran off with him. Based on how the duel arenas are built, I don't see how that's entirely possible. But whatever. Yugi and the gang tell the kid that they'll get his star chips back, allowing him to avoid the dinghy brigade, and Kimo says that the boat leaves in exactly 30 minutes. Joey tells the kid not to worry because he is on the case, and he always gets his man, even if he's just a kid. The gang then head off to scour the island and recover the stolen star chips and deck. 30 minutes to cover the whole island. Seems unlikely. We cut again, and the gang are walking into a meadow with a duel arena standing tall. Apparently, they decided to stake out the scene of the crime, as if there's any guarantee that the thief will return within 30 minutes. But as the gang discuss their plan of action, we get a POV shot of someone hiding in the bushes just a few yards away and watching them. They jump out from behind the bushes to confront the gang, and turns out to be the supposed thief, complete with bandana. Funny how that works out, right? Joey surmises that this must be the thief, and Tristan says he can take him. Taya responds with a little bit of comedy gold. I hope so. You're twice his size. Taya. Before Joey and Tristan can bum-rush the kid, Yugi interrupts, saying he knows what the thief wants. A duel with Yugi Moto. And the kid nods in agreement. As the duel arena sets up, with our hero and the thief on opposite sides, Joey and Tristan are confused as to why Yugi is going through with this duel when they could just take the stuff back from the kid by force. Tristan even says he doubts even Yugi knows why he does half the stuff he does. Should I just have some faith in Yugi? Like, maybe he doesn't want to strong arm anybody, especially a little kid, but would rather walk them through the lesson they need to learn. Ever thought about that? Joey then thinks that Yugi's Millennium Puzzle might be to blame for his confusing behavior. Though not wrong? It's definitely a weird step in logic. Because at this point, we don't even know, like, especially the rest of the gang. Yugi kind of knows. But the rest of the gang doesn't really know that the Millennium Puzzle is anything other than a puzzle. But whatever. We then get Yugi's super sexy transformation, and they agree to both wager five star chips. Oh, wait. If the kid didn't get a chance to duel, he would only have two star chips. So, did this thief steal from multiple duelists and just no one else reported it? Or what? Where did the other three star chips come from? Taya wonders what Yugi is seeing that no one else in the gang can see, even saying, it's like he's looking into the other player's soul. And Joey replies with, soul schmoll. Classy Joey. Real classy. As the duel starts, the thief says to himself that Yugi will pay for what he did to his brother. Oh, here we go. We get a flashback to Kaiba Corp, of course. Mokuba and Kaiba are in Kaiba's office, and Mokuba's telling Kaiba that he'll be late for the Duelist Kingdom tournament if he doesn't leave right now. Kaiba says he isn't going because there's no point and he's in no condition to duel. He continues by saying that since Yugi defeated him, he doesn't know what he thinks or believes in anymore, because he feels as if he lost a piece of himself that day. Existential Crisis, brought to you by a children's card game. Order now! Mokuba tries reassuring Kaiba that he is the best, the champ, but Kaiba thinks that isn't true, not since Yugi beat him. He then throws a Duel Monsters card at Mokuba, telling him that he's leaving because he doesn't know who he is anymore. He tells Mokuba to keep the card because it was always his favorite. As he shuts the door on Mokuba, he tells him to, quote, Take care, kid. What a crappy older brother, am I right? 
As we transition back to present day, Mokuba tells himself that Yugi broke up his family, and now he's going to break Yugi up. Pun number one. The duel then begins with the thief throwing down the man-eating plant. Yugi counters with the winged dragon, guardian of the fortress, number one. He then tells himself that his plant will eat Yugi's dragon alive. Um... Man-Eating Plant has a stat spread of 800 attack, 600 defense, to Yugi's Dragon having 1400 attack and 1200 defense. So, no? I feel like this isn't going as well as the thief thinks it is. And Yugi's Dragon barbecues the thief's plant. Called it. Yugi then takes this opportunity to teach the thief about the heart of the cards, trademark. He tells him that he cannot possibly win with cards that do not rightfully belong to him because, quote, how can your heart ever live in cards that belong to someone else? The thief comes back by telling Yugi to just shut up because he doesn't believe in that heart of the cards, trademark, crap. Cards have nothing to do with heart. It's all about power. Hmm, where have we heard that before? Yugi then says he sensed a connection to Kaiba and identifies the thief as Mokuba Kaiba, Seto's little brother. Mokuba removes his disguise and informs us that Kaiba has pretty much gone missing and Pegasus is trying to take over Kaiba Corp. He again says that whatever Yugi did at the end of the first episode has caused a serious rift in Kaiba's identity and with Kaiba MIA, Pegasus moved right in when the Kaiba Corp head honchos, the board of directors, invited him to a secret board meeting. We now get another flashback to explain the board meeting. The five members of the Kaiba Corp board of directors want to take over Kaiba Corp so they can merge it with industrial illusions. They want Pegasus to handle any of the, quote, messy details, which include Kaiba being, quote, taken out of the picture permanently and the capturing of Mokuba because apparently only a living member of the Kaiba family can legally control Kaiba Corp. Their plan is for Pegasus to kidnap Mokuba so they can control him controlling the company, and in exchange for all of this, the board of directors will lay Kaiba Corp at Pegasus' feet. I honestly don't quite understand why they're doing all of this. Obviously, Kaiba is fine to let you continue to pretty much run things since he hasn't fired you and taken your mantles for himself, and you're going to backstab him and hand over his company to someone else? To someone who really doesn't know you, but does know that you're willing to betray your CEO. Really smart, guys. Pegasus agrees to these terms, but there is another stipulation. They demand that Pegasus, or a duelist who represents him, defeat Yugi in a duel to reestablish Kaiba Corp's tarnished reputation after Kaiba's embarrassing loss to Yugi. Pegasus informs them that plans for him to duel Yugi are already underway, and he commands Kimo to bring him Mokuba. Mokuba, who was standing right outside the door during this board meeting, gets picked up by Kimo and brought inside. He threatens to tell Kaiba about what's happening, but Pegasus just uses this to showcase how efficiently he will execute their deal. We now cut back to the duel, and Mokuba blames Yugi once more for all of this happening because Seto abandoned him after he lost to Yugi. Yugi tries to calm down Mokuba, telling him that Kaiba hasn't deserted him, he's simply searching for himself. Mokuba declares him to be a liar and summons Crocodilus and attacks. It's fairly obvious at this point that Mokuba isn't a very good duelist at all since Crocodilus has 1100 attack to Yugi's Dragon's 1400, but also this kid's deck he stole is pretty crappy. Crocodilus is destroyed, no surprise there, and Yugi informs Mokuba that fighting him won't bring Kaiba back and that the gang want to stop Pegasus just as much as he does because he has Yugi's grandpa. Who? 
We haven't been reminded explicitly of Yugi's motivations since this episode started, so I, I had forgotten. Joey chimes in, saying Pegasus is the bad guy, but Mokuba doesn't see it that way. If he can knock Yugi out of the tournament, Pegasus cannot defeat Yugi, and therefore won't be able to take over Kaiba Corp. This isn't a bad way to think about things, honestly. I mean, don't get me wrong, Pegasus is definitely the bad guy in all of this, but instead of trying to go after the big bad trademark, Mokuba is settling to go after Yugi to help his brother out and honestly get a little revenge in the process. If a Kaiba family member were to defeat Yugi, even if by slightly dishonorable means, like stealing some kid's stuff to enter a tournament, it may just repair the company's tarnished reputation on its own. And it would, at least momentarily, keep Pegasus from acquiring Kaiba Corp. Taya restates everything Mokuba and I just said, but Tristan is confused. There's a little back and forth between Tristan and Joey here, reminiscent of, dude, where's my car? And then she restates it all again to clear it up. My god, these characters... These characters are idiots. Through all of the confusion, Mokuba jumps off his platform and disappears. As Yugi looks back up, he notices Mokuba is gone, and before he knows it, he's stealing Yugi's star chips. As he runs off, we see that he only managed to grab two of them. He says while grabbing them, I'll have you disqualified, but he only grabbed two of Yugi's five star chips, so... Nope. Also, he only stole two! Conveniently, that's exactly how many he won off of Mako in that useless previous episode. Are we really going to make that episode mean absolutely nothing? The rest of the gang start to run after Mokuba, who is heading for some nearby trees, while Yugi screams at him from atop his platform. Mokuba, listen to me. You'll never save Kaiba Corporation that way. Mokuba stops running to hear Yugi out. Your big brother is just confused. After I defeated Kaiba in our duel, I opened his mind. I removed from him all the dark influences that clouded his thoughts and actions. Free of that evil essence, Kaiba is struggling. Now, your brother realizes that his way wasn't the right way, and he's searching his heart for answers. And you know in your heart what you're doing isn't the right way either. Anime speech seems to work, but would never work in real life. Mokuba starts to come around and see things Yugi's way, and after asking what he can do, Yugi tells him to start by trusting in him. And together, they will defeat Pegasus. There's a weird animation choice here, when Yugi is saying, together, and it is held out just like that, where he clenches his fist in a representation of solidarity. It's just weirdly timed and comes with this, like, reversed fist pump motion. I don't know. It's one of the smaller details in the series that's really stuck with me through the years, and I never know how to take it. Yugi has now convinced Mokuba to return the kid's deck and star chips. Taya says the boat is leaving in just a few minutes, so they quickly decide to sprint for the dinghy. We now cut to a cliffside house with a voiceover from none other than Kaiba. He's sitting at a rather unassuming desk covered by different computers and monitors, still very much confused how a nobody like Yugi was able to come up from the gutter and defeat a champion like himself. You were there, Kaiba. He exodiated you. Insta-win. He has run, quote, computer simulations, probability scenarios, and quantum analysis of their duel, but he still can't figure it out. Computer simulations? Like YGO Pro? Because people get exodiated on there all the time, bro. Probability scenarios? Not even sure what that's supposed to mean? Did you go to a list randomizer and see what the probability could be that he would exodia you? Because I, I 
do know that the likelihood is generally low without some massive draw power in the deck, which Yugi doesn't have. But quantum analysis of a duel? What does that even mean? Did you follow every possible strategy that could have been used? Because I don't think you know Yugi's deck like that at all. I mean, you played two whole games against that deck. Face it, Kaiba. The heart of the cards, trademark, beats you. He then gives us a short recap of episode one. We haven't gotten that since episode three! Also, is this why they're not giving us any introductory material? They think we remember it? We're dumb and forget things, four kids! Give us recaps! He also reaffirms that he's struggling with his beliefs and identity. He then explains to himself, us, that he's working on a new portable holographic system so that he can challenge Yugi to a rematch wherever he may find him. But there are suited goons creeping up to his door. Oh no. The goons start pounding on the door, demanding to be let in, or they'll break down the door. As Kaiba is shoving his new system into the shiny silver briefcase, as seen in episode one, they burst in, demanding he come with them to Pegasus, and pointing their fingers at him. It just makes them look so not intimidating at all. Like, they're scolding a child, but we'll discuss this in the second bonus episode in a bit more detail. Kaiba yells at them, you'll never take me alive, and proceeds to kick a chair into them, knocking them to the floor and jumping out the window. The goons run to the window and peer out and down the cliff. It leads straight down to a rock-scattered ocean view. They surmise that Kaiba must be dead and continue with the rest of their job, stealing Kaiba's deck with the blue-eyes white dragon in it. Bum bum bum! We now cut back to the gang and Mokuba, who are catching up with the dinghy at the pier, except it's already left. Kimo tells them they were too late, even though they weren't, because, quote, Pegasus sets the schedule around here. Mokuba tries to reason with him to call back the boat so he can return the boys' star chips to him, brandishing the seven total that he has. Why does he still have Yugi's star chips? And Kimo slaps them into the ocean. See, there was no reason he should have still had them. The whole duel with Mako was useless. Also, this leaves Yugi with three now. Kimo then grabs Mokuba with his arm around his throat and tells him he's going back to the, quote, cage. I know it's not a real cage, but that reverse euphemism is terrifying. In order to save Mokuba from Kimo and Pegasus's special dinner, Yugi wagers his three remaining starships to challenge Kimo to a duel. He accepts, telling the gang to meet him back at Duel Arena 146, where Mokuba and Yugi just dueled earlier in four hours for their duel. Why so long? Four hours? Just wasting time. We then smash cut to the gang arriving at the specified duel arena, presumably four hours later, and Kimo still has Mokuba by the throat. Couldn't you have gotten some handcuffs or something? Or even a literal cage at this point. These people seriously don't know how to deal with children. As Yugi reissues his challenge to Kimo, he indicates that he never agreed to duel, but rather he has arranged an opponent for him. As he motions to the duel arena, we see that it is Kaiba, with some nasty looking shadows below his eyes and more gloom than usual in his aura. Naturally, everyone else is surprised, and Kaiba says, Yes, Yugi, it's me, and this time you don't stand a ghost of a chance. Prepare for puns. 
Also, his voice has layers to it now. Like, there's his regular deep, raspy-ish voice, but it's distorted slightly. And then there's a higher-pitched, creepier voice layered beneath it. So, really trying to play up that he's a ghost. Kimo reiterates that Yuki doesn't stand a ghost. Ugh of a chance of beating Kaiba because this time he is a ghost. He even cites that two witnesses saw him fall to his doom earlier today. First off, if that's what they said, they lied because they never saw him fall. Secondly, how does one being a ghost automatically give one an advantage in children's card games? I'm afraid that logic doesn't follow. He continues to say that there's nothing left of Kaiba but their memories and one very cranky ghost looking for revenge, to which Yugi replies with, Snot him. I can't help but I can't help but giggle every time I watch this episode purely because of that one line. He isn't saying it's not him, but literally is contracting it's and not to snot, and it gets me every time. As Kimo and Yugi enter an exchange, Yugi maintains that the man waiting atop the Duel Arena platform is not Kaiba, but rather a trick by Pegasus. He tells Mokuba that they will find his brother right after he proves this ghost is a fake. Prioritizing dueling over someone's life. Classic. Also, I am aware that this duel is for Mokuba's freedom. We now transition into the castle, where Pegasus is watching all of this unfold on one of his security monitors, and he seems to be extremely entertained. Croquet, who is standing next to Pegasus, asks him who Yugi is really dueling. Pegasus says it is Kaiba, or rather, what's left of him. Really playing up this whole Kaiba is dead thing, and it has me very suspicious, since Joey's sister Serenity was supposed to be dying too. Croquet is obviously very confused as to how his boss managed to perform this trick, but he says he can't take all the credit because he had plenty of help from Yugi. Pegasus then says to himself as we transition back to the duel at hand that he will teach Yugi a lesson about the real powers of the Millennium Items. Ghost Kaiba blames Yugi for what happened to him, saying that when he beat him back in episode 1, he stole his life and destroyed his soul. Getting a little emo for my taste, Ghost Kaiba? Though you're not entirely wrong, I guess. Still. Just before the duel begins, Yugi reminds Ghost Kaiba that even though he may be imitating Kaiba, there's no way he can imitate his deck. And Ghost Kaiba corrects him by saying, You mean my deck? Really playing this up. And I'm ready for this duel to be over already. Joey says that Ghost Kaiba doesn't even look like Kaiba. He literally does, Joe. That's the whole point. If he didn't look like Kaiba, we couldn't even pretend to believe that he's Kaiba's ghost. So quit lying. Ghost Kaiba then starts talking to Yugi telepathically, since apparently he can sense Ghost Kaiba's thoughts. He doesn't say anything of note, just reiterates that he is a ghost and that he knows Yugi can see the truth. After this secret conversation, he turns to Kimo and declares out loud that Pegasus can have Kaiba Corp after he defeats Yugi because he only cares about getting revenge. This should be a huge red flag for anyone who isn't convinced yet that this is an imposter. Kaiba would never willingly give up control of Kaiba Corp, but maybe we don't know that yet. Mokuba should know that at any rate. Yugi and Ghost Kaiba wager three star chips on the duel, meaning Yugi will be knocked out of the tournament if he loses, thanks to Mokuba's blunder earlier. And the duel begins. Ghost Kaiba opens with the Hitatsume Giant, and Yugi is surprised because that was Kaiba's opening move in episode one. At this point, Mokuba's faith seems to be slipping as he too realizes Kaiba had that card in his deck. You know, it 
is possible for two people to have the same card, right? Well, I mean, not necessarily the Blue-Eyes White Dragon anymore. Thanks, Kaiba. But any other card? Yeah. Joey cuts in, saying as much. Thanks, Joe, for being the voice of reason. Oh, Lord. Yugi then says to himself that he's just trying to confuse him by using the same opening move as Kaiba did in their duel. Okay, good psych-up technique. But how would he know what Kaiba's first move was unless he was there? Yugi breaks the mold established by Ghost Kaiba by playing the Dark Magician, which obliterates his giant. Ghost Kaiba laughs and proceeds to taunt Yugi, telling him there's no way he can win, even though he managed to take out well over half your life points in one move. Okay. He then proceeds to remind Yugi that his deck's win condition is gone. Without Exodia, he can't possibly win. How would Kaiba know that Yugi no longer has Exodia? He didn't know that prior to his death, unless Pegasus told Ghost Kaiba before the duel. Who knows at this point? We now cut to a mansion being guarded by suited goons while I'm back from the Music to Duel by album, link in the show notes, plays. This is another of my all-time favorite original songs from that album. We see Kaiba, the real Kaiba, just behind a tree a few feet away from the mansion's surrounding wall, obviously plotting how to get inside. We then get a little flashback revealing how he survived the jump out the window. Apparently, he caught himself on the cliffside, allowing him to avoid being seen by Pegasus goons. How did he catch himself? He had one hand preoccupied with the silver briefcase, and he managed to pull himself back up? How? Physics. But after the flashback, he scales one of the surrounding walls of the mansion and runs to a trap door underneath the lawn. He descends the staircase concealed beneath and enters what seems to be a small library. Behind one of the bookshelves is a secret door with a retinal scanner security device. And I hear John Hammond from Jurassic Park saying, spared no expense. The computer scans his eye and allows him inside a small control room with three huge monitors above a gigantic keyboard that spans all across all three walls under the monitors. It even has three chairs, one in front of each monitor as well. Why the chairs? Do you think you'd be inviting your friends down here for a little Overwatch jam session, Kaiba? He flicks on the computer and sits down. Once it turns on, the computer talks to him, sounding like a disgruntled middle-aged white woman, and initiates the identity verification protocol by prompting Kaiba to state his name. So, a retinal scan and voice recognition identity verification. Spared no expense. After the computer accepts his verification, they play catch-up for a little bit. The computer evidently saw Kaiba break into his own house, and he tells her it's too long of a story to get into right now. After she feigns being offended by Kaiba's withholding information, she explains to him that a hostile takeover of his company has begun. Pegasus kicked off the Duelist Kingdom tournament, and if Pegasus or a competitor representing him can defeat Yugi in a duel, the board of directors has promised him control of the company. You know, just stuff we found out a little while ago, but of which Kaiba was probably unaware. Kaiba indicates that Yugi can't lose because he has Exodia, which prompts the computer to inform him that he actually doesn't have it anymore. How did she know? She isn't connected to Pegasus' database, and it hasn't been that long since he lost it. She also tells him that Mokuba has been taken prisoner by Pegasus because of the company bylaw requiring a member of the Kaiba family to control Kaiba Corp. Kaiba is sure that Mokuba will be kept safe, at least until the takeover is complete, so his plan is to help ensure Pegasus doesn't defeat Yugi in a duel. Just not really caring about your brother all that much, are you, Kaiba? 
Kaiba then states that he plans to hack right into Pegasus's mainframe to access the Duelist Kingdom tournament data. We now cut back to the duel, and it's Ghost Kaiba's move again. He teases Yugi by saying, This next card is a blast from the past, with the emphasis on blast. Of course, he plays the Blue-Eyes White Dragon. Already abandoning the card for card replay shtick, huh? Guess we're saving that for another time. Wink, wink. Because he just played the Blue-Eyes White Dragon, everyone has a momentary lapse in faith, which makes sense because only Kaiba had that card in his deck, and Mokuba begins to cry, overwhelmed by the realization that his brother may in fact be dead. Except we know he isn't. We then get another cut back to the real Kaiba and his computer, who have successfully and fairly easily infiltrated the Duelist Kingdom computer system. They start by searching all the active duel arenas for Yugi Moto, to no avail. So Kaiba decides that they should try to access Yugi's direct files, but this gives them a good old access denied. Makes sense that the flamboyant obsessed man-child would allocate nearly all of his informational security to Yugi. Kaiba then takes over the process manually to try to locate a back door. He discovers that all of the tournament information is being sent from the island to an Industrial Illusions satellite and then back down to their mainframe. He believes that by forcing the Industrial Illusions computer offline, he can engage their backup systems, which shouldn't have as much security around them. So, after a bit more explanation, it starts to make a bit more sense. He intends to crash the Industrial Illusion system remotely in order to reduce the security around Yugi's information, but his plan is to hack into the satellite and seemingly physically crash it into the mainframe building. And so that's what he does. Also, there's this really cheesy 3D animation when he's hacking into the satellite. It's what looks to be a steel door, almost like an old school bank vault, with black and yellow tape all over it, and keep out in big red letters. I don't think I'm a fan of this addition to the process. As Kaiba, again, seemingly, crashes the satellite into the Industrial Illusions mainframe, which seems to be located somewhere in California, we transition back to the duel. Ghost Kaiba decides not to attack Yugi's Dark Magician because that would be too quick for him. Why rush to victory when I can draw it out as long as possible instead? Well, Ghost Kaiba, probably because of the Deus Ex Machina incoming, but your call. He opts instead to play a Magic or Trap card face down. Yugi then changes Dark Magician to defense mode and summons Curse of Dragon, also in defense, which prompts Ghost Kaiba to activate his trap, Defense Paralysis, which switches all of Yugi's monsters into attack mode. Yugi implies that it is a continuous trap, meaning its effect remains in play as long as the card is on the field, preventing Yugi from ever having monsters in defense mode. In real life, this card's name, which I'm pretty sure we'll learn later in the series, is Stop Defense, and it is a magic or spell, not a trap. But we'll save that for later. Ghost Kaiba then attacks with the Blue-Eyes White Dragon, destroying Yugi's Curse of Dragon, bringing the life point count to Ghost Kaiba 700, Yugi 1000. We now cut back to real Kaiba, who is scouring the active duels on the island, searching for Yugi, but he has exhausted every possible option except one, Field 146, which we know is the field on which he is actually playing. When they attempt to access the field information, the security causes Kaiba's computer to crash, necessitating a reboot and a retry. In actuality, it didn't crash, the attempt just failed, but whatever. Computers are hard. 
The second attempt is just as fruitful as the computer momentarily freezes up again. Kaiba then takes over manually again, discovering that the door is protected by a virus that is activated upon searching for Yugi's cards in the active dual database. He tells the computer to prepare to enter 146 again. There's another stupid animation here of lit TNT right in front of the door to the field with a loading bar under it. It explodes once the loading bar fills up, and it's an interesting representation of hacking past the virus, but it's another completely unnecessary addition to this process. I know young kids probably wouldn't find it as interesting without these graphics, but for an adult, it just detracts from the task at hand. Inside the door, they find a virtual fortress represented here by an actual fortress on an island where all of the information on Yugi's duels is processed. The computer tells Kaiba that it's impossible to penetrate without the password, but this puts a smile on Kaiba's face. He calls Pegasus a narcissistic egomaniac and tells the computer the password is Pegasus. We transition back to the duel, where Mokuba has a reawakening of faith and proceeds to give a heartfelt monologue about how Kaiba isn't this mean and wouldn't act like this. Actually, I hate to break it to you, Mokuba, but yes, he is, and yes, he would. Yugi, however, is not so sure what to believe anymore, and he plays magical hats to protect his dark magician. This is a magic card that forms four top hats on the field, and underneath one of them is the dark magician. Ghost Kaiba has to guess which one. In reality, I'm pretty sure this comes up later in the season. Again, magical hats is a trap card. He also implies that there are traps waiting for Ghost Kaiba under the other three hats. In real life, you have to select spell or trap cards to act as the other hats on the field, but you can't activate them in response to being attacked. Smash cut back to the real Kaiba, whose guess at the password was correct. Having gained access to Yugi's duel data, he begins to sift through it to find Yugi's current duel. One more smash cut. Back to the duel. Ghost Kaiba attacks one of the hats, but it was empty. Yugi then lays a trap in one of the other two remaining hats. Okay, so he didn't have any traps in them earlier. What a bluff. He then tells Ghost Kaiba that if he attacks the empty hat, it's Yugi's turn again. If he attacks the hat hiding the Dark Magician, Ghost Kaiba will win, and if he attacks the hat with the trap, it will spring on him. Actually, he won't outright win the duel if he destroys the Dark Magician, considering he will only take 500 of Yugi's 1000 life points, but essentially he will win. Whatever. Ghost Kaiba attacks another hat, and it contains the trap! Of course it does. Spellbinding Circle activates, draining the Blue-Eyes White Dragon of 700 of its attack points and making it unable to attack. Yugi then reveals the Dark Magician, shattering the illusion of the hats and destroys the Blue-Eyes White Dragon, relieving Ghost Kaiba of 200 more life points. Ghost Kaiba responds by playing his second Blue-Eyes and attacking, taking away Yugi's Dark Magician and 500 of his life points. He then reminds Yugi that all three copies of the Blue Eyes are in his deck, and that there was a fourth that belonged to his grandpa, but he ripped it up. But how could I know that if I'm not really Seto Kaiba? I'm not sure whether to believe this is a good point or not. Would word have gotten out about how awful Kaiba treated Yugi and his grandpa? I mean, word got out that Yugi defeated Kaiba with almost literally no one in the right place to reveal that information. Mokuba reassures Yugi that this Kaiba is an imposter and reminds him that everyone heard about their duel in episode 1. Yeah, but that doesn't necessarily explain how he would know about the fourth blue eyes. Cut back 
to Kaiba Mansion, where Kaiba is relentlessly looking for Yugi's current duel. The computer is rerouting the data being sent out from the field, presumably to their own system, so that they can confirm Yugi's presence. After confirming that Yugi is in fact dueling at Arena 146, the computer points out the official name of his opponent, of course, Seto Kaiba, complete with the patented Kaiba deck. Kaiba then surmises that Pegasus took his deck after he jumped out the window earlier. Yeah, that's exactly when it happened, Kaiba. But my question is, why didn't you make sure to take it with you? Because plot? After the computer catches up Kaiba on the events of the duel thus far, Kaiba resolves to help Yugi win by weakening Ghost Kaiba's blue eyes remotely via virus. As the computer begins uploading the virus into the monster's hollow computer, whatever that means, we transition back to the duel. Yugi is beginning to lose faith in himself now. As we get confirmation that Ghost Kaiba's defense paralysis is in fact a continuous trap, Yugi plays Feral Imp onto the field. Back at the mansion, the virus is roughly 60% uploaded, but the Blue Eyes isn't showing any signs of weakness. Ghost Kaiba commands his Blue Eyes to attack, but it begins to glow brightly and phase in and out. Apparently, the virus has decided it wants to start working. The informational layout on the platforms indicates that there is a real-time attack decrease happening and everyone is shocked. I can't help but believe that they chose to do this in real time for suspense, because I'm pretty sure a computer virus like that would go into effect instantaneously. Back at the castle, Croquet asks how Yugi is doing this, but Pegasus tells him that it is Seto Kaiba who is obviously still alive. With the virus definitely taking its toll on the blue eyes, Kaiba commands the computer to begin the same process for the third dragon in the deck. Shouldn't he also just preemptively work on the one in the graveyard too? But there's a problem. They've been hacked! A pink cartoon rabbit shows up on screen to mock Kaiba. Obviously, Pegasus is doing. At the same time, a bunch of Pegasus's goons are entering the mansion in search of our hero's undead sidekick. The computer then says that the virus stopped progressing, halting the dragon's attack at 2000, making it still strong enough to beat Yugi by attacking his imp. As the dragon begins to attack, Kaiba slams his fists onto the desk and screams Yugi's name. Yugi seems to hear, or sense, this act of desperation, and his forehead begins to glow with the symbol of the Millennium Items. And somehow, the Blue Eyes couldn't attack, and is destroyed, but the computer says the virus was not responsible. Ah, deus ex machina. Kaiba attributes it to the heart of the cards, trademark. Okay, but that's not what the heart of the cards, trademark, does. Right? Just then, Pegasus' goons discover the hidden door in the library. Kaiba hears them scurrying around and begins thinking. Back at the duel, Ghost Kaiba starts freaking out and his voice changes, losing the Kaiba-esque quality it had before. Yugi informs him that the real Kaiba is still alive, and he was the one who stopped his attack. Okay, so no one knows what the heck just happened. Cool. Mokuba immediately cheers for his brother's confirmed living status. Okay, but is anyone going to ask how Yugi knows Kaiba is still alive? Is Yugi going to tell them? Can he even tell them? He then proceeds to explain that Yugi showed Kaiba the heart of the cards, trademark, in episode 1, and that's why this imposter can't win. The deck doesn't belong to him. Okay, Mokuba, but literally just a few hours ago, you didn't even believe in the heart of the cards, trademark, you little hypocrite. With the proof now mounting, the imposter reveals his true identity. His body begins to blow up all Hulk style, but much more disgustingly, while he confirms that he is indeed the darkest part of Kaiba, the part Yugi sent to the Shadow Realm in Episode 1, and he looks like a fat emo clown without makeup. 
He also confirms that Pegasus released him from the Shadow Realm just for this duel. Back at Kaiba Mansion, the goons have hacked their way into the control room, but Kaiba is nowhere to be found. To this day, I still don't know how he got out of there. I've watched this series more times than I can count, and I still don't know how he got out of that room. Cut now to the castle, where Croquet is being informed of Kaiba's disappearance over the phone. Pegasus admits that even he didn't foresee Kaiba coming to Yugi's rescue. Croquet apologizes to Pegasus for losing Kaiba again, and Pegasus threatens to lock him away. Again. I need this backstory. Does Croquet only obey Pegasus so devoutly because he, like, brainwashed him after taking him captive? I need answers. Pegasus then orders Croquet to get Kimo on the radio. Cutting back to the duel, Mokuba is threatening the evil clown with punishment directly from Seto himself. Pegasus' transmission to Kimo is to inform him that Kaiba has escaped again and to order him not to lose sight of Mokuba, no matter what. Yugi then tells the evil clown it's his move and delivers a sick burn. I guess I just don't know what to call you. I was thinking about monster, but I didn't want to insult the cards. Oh, sick burn. It is now a race to the finish. With Kaiba unable to help Yugi again, if the evil clown draws his third blue eyes before Yugi can relieve him of the rest of his life points, our hero will most likely lose. Current life point count is 500 to 500. After a few turns of summoning monsters and battling, the evil clown has one card face down and one monster in defense position, with a stat too high for any of Yugi's monsters to take it out. Yugi has three monsters in attack position, courtesy of defense paralysis, and two face down cards in his back row. The evil clown draws for his turn and delivers one of my favorite one-liners that I love quoting and adapting all the time. No, prepare for the blue-eyes white dragon. He plays the third blue eyes. Mokuba thinks Kaiba will come to the rescue again, but Kimo is quick to stomp that dream into the dirt. He also indirectly reveals that Kaiba is actually alive. Not that it's really in dispute anymore, but you literally just confirmed it, so now everybody's morale can increase. The evil clown commands his blue eyes to attack, but Yugi counters with mirror force, which we saw him use in his duel with Weevil. However, the evil clown activates his own trap in response, negate attack, which does just what it sounds, negates an attack and ends the current battle. This really isn't how negate attack is used. Like, I get he was, quote, negating an attack, but technically, once mirror force reflects the attack, it ceases to be an attack, but rather becomes the effect of a trap. So evil clown should have lost. But, of course, didn't, because plot. Yugi then activates Reborn the Monster, a magic card that allows him to bring back a monster lost from either deck this game. First, the name of the card is Monster Reborn. I know this is the first time we're seeing it in the show, but they switch the name constantly between these two names. Also, technically, it only affects monsters in the graveyard specifically, but banishing isn't really a thing in the show yet, so I'll let that slide for now. He chooses to revive one of the blue eyes from earlier, but with both his new blue eyes and the evil clown's blue eyes of equal strength, what is Yugi's plan? Let's find out. Apparently, since Yugi played his mystical elf a few turns ago, she has been chanting a spell that can be used to power up other monsters on the field, so naturally, Yugi uses this power up on his new blue eyes. In real life, mystical elf has no effects whatsoever. But he cites that Kaiba inspired this move as he showed him that you can alter the power of the Blue-Eyes White Dragon. Yeah, but Kaiba literally cheated 
to lower the attack of that one, and you are apparently legally raising the attack of this one. So the similarities are lost on me. Also, you weakened the first one with Spellbinding Circle, so you already knew that you could do that. Just had to drop a name, didn't you, Yugi? Yugi commands his blue eyes to attack, literally saying, OBLITERATE! Only one exclamation point on that one, because it isn't Exodia. This destroys the evil clown's blue eyes and wipes out the rest of his life points. This victory gives Yugi a total of six star chips now, so a net gain from before his duel with Mako. He then mind crushes the evil clown again, I guess? Sending him back to the Shadow Realm, presumably. Yugi, glowing with ancient magical power, now addresses Pegasus telepathically, since he can sense that he is watching from afar. He tells him that nothing he sends at him will deter or stop him, that he is coming for him, and that victory will be his. Pegasus is rather amazed that Yugi has such a grasp on his shadow powers so early in his experience with them, but he is sure that he will beat Yugi and gain possession of his Millennium Puzzle. Finally, we get the final smash cut of the episode, showing Yugi grabbing Kaiba's deck from the other arena platform, and Taya points out that Kimo took Mokuba away again. In the story arc, we got to officially meet Kaiba's little brother Mokuba and Pegasus's head henchman Croquet. They are fairly inconsequential, but the kidnapping of Mokuba is obviously going to be a motivation for Kaiba for the rest of the season. We are also introduced to the board of directors of Kaiba Corp, who are selfish and conniving. Spoiler alert, we will be seeing them later collectively being called the Big Five. We learned that Yugi, at least, has the ability to send people or parts of their souls to the Shadow Realm, and that Pegasus, at least, has the ability to bring them back. This will be very important as the story progresses through the season. Next week, we will have another double feature episode covering Season 1, Episodes 11 and 12, The Dueling Monkey and Trial by Red Eyes. So make sure you watch both of those episodes before listening to next week's episode of the podcast. But before then, query for the week. What part of this duel was your favorite? What was the biggest rule breaker, in your opinion? And why do Croquet, Chemo, and Pegasus, for that matter, not know how to handle small children? Let me know what you think, or if you have any other comments, questions, or concerns, please feel free to email me at itstimetopodcast at gmail.com, and follow me on Facebook at facebook.com slash itstimetopodcast, and on Twitter at itstime2podcast. If you can, please consider backing me on Patreon at patreon.com slash itstimetopodcast. It'll help me continue to bring awesome content to you guys, expand in the future, and give even more back to this wonderful community we are building. But until next time, your move.